Hello, my name is Oscar. Uh, I'm from Syntax, and um, we're here at the Artes uh, Recalibrate Finals. I'm sitting here with uh, Deborah Mora. Um, Deborah is a graduate of Interaction Design, and we're going to talk about uh, her projects. I'm going to start out uh, asking, like, Deborah, how are you doing? Hi, Oscar. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Um, I wanted to start with reading the um, description that you provide for your work um, because it's a very visual work and uh, I, I think it leaves, like reading it still leaves a lot to imagination from the listeners, but um, yeah, that will be up to them to uh, look out for other documentation of your work in the future. Um, I'm going to start there. Um, the name of the work is Zero Degrees North zero degrees east. Zero degrees north, zero degrees east is an invitation into a collective, technologically mediated memory of nature. Zero degrees north, zero degrees east retraces the cyber myth of the null island through the format of world building. With the metaphor of the null island, the project explores how experience and knowledge is generated when the only way to access nature is through a hypermediated modality. Zero degrees north, zero degrees east refers to the coordinates where the null island is imagined to exist, floating in the Gulf of Guinea at the intersection of the prime meridian and the equator. The null value is attributed when data is absent, thus all those images, files, registrations that are uploaded online without specified geoposition are erroneously associated with location 0.0 by the software. In this way, the null island becomes an archive, a collection, an assemblage of documents found online that, although depicting and documenting natural environments, have lost their particular qualities and identity. Photographs, satellite footages, 3D scans, textures, sound recordings, missing their geolocation, they don't belong to any specific place anymore. They are just ghosts, projections of the sublime nature lost in cyberspace. At the same time, facing the current ecological and environmental crisis, it has become really important for biologists, geologists and archaeologists to document specific locations and objects for survey and conservation. In this way, the work carries as well an ecological question, like how can natural environments be saved and preserved in digital format in the moment when these places are not physically accessible anymore, how this format contributes to forms of knowledge and experience. How authentic and essential are the translations of the physical space into a digital one? And can also the sensorial experience of nature be preserved in a technology-mediated reality? Especially in the moment when we are immersed in so many digital layers and are faced with continuous intermediations, the work attempts to form simulations through which experiences can be accessed. The Null Island spatially recreates a collective archive a constructed memory of natural environments, a memory that is constantly mediated and reinterpreted. So that's quite a, a framework uh, of um, uh, context that you're providing. Um, can, can you tell me uh, a bit uh, about where this project came from? Um, I think it all started during the period of the lockdown, actually. Uh, of course, uh, it was the period uh, during which I should have started my research for graduation. And for me, um, oh, I was in Italy back then, uh, so the lockdown there was quite strict. And for me, navigating or browsing 
uh, on the internet was a way of escapism. Um, so I started to get lost um, in all these depictions of these places that I couldn't visit in that moment back then. And um, that kind of uh, formed my, my obsession with collecting, downloading and archiving. And I've been digging into um, many online archives from all these professionals. And I started making my own. And then from there, I construct this sort of island or environment. Um, so it was really like organic um, growing of, of the project, I would say. And then I slowly uh, conceptualized it a bit more. And the result is a beautiful, immersive, uh, or at least the way it's presented here, it's very immersive video installation with uh, sound provided as well. Can, can you tell us a bit about the sound part of it? Yeah. Um, so uh, during this process of collecting, I've also uh, not been looking only at pictures or um, 3D models, which are the main part of the work. Uh, but I um, also try to look for all the other ways that um, people or uh, indeed scientists start to document nature and uh, some recordings, of course, are also a main part of their practice. Um, so I also <laughs> looked for all the possible uh, sources where I could find uh, some recording of nature or uh, animals in their own environment and I collect those as well and uh, for the composition of uh, so the sound composition of the work I uh, collaborated um, with Igor uh, we started our collaboration from Instagram actually and he made a beautiful composition also uh, using uh, the sound recordings I, I downloaded uh, his own instrument and as well strings uh, made by Michelle, Michelle Panol. And um, the choice for world building was like to emphasize the, multi, the multimedia aspect of this archive that you built. So, so in, in, the, in the video installation, you see 2D images, you see spatial models, and then there's also the sound. Uh, and there's a way of navigating through all of that. D do you see it as a way of like, like a potential uh, it has to deal with all these multimedia archives because the things are leveled out very uh, differently. Do you have any idea on why you picked world building? Yeah. Um, so as you said, yeah, it's a way of combining all these different um, kind of media together. And for me, world building is also um, a way of showcasing the diversity, not only the diversity, but also the layering and uh, the uh, amount of details um, that I tried to put in the work and as well the immersiveness that I wanted to um, to reach because I think it is really important at least in my work um, to feel like you are becoming part of the of the journey or um, that you could um, see yourself with the eyes of the camera of the video so it's really yeah I think it's a beautiful tool um, to tell stories and to display my research as well because um, they are so layered and uh, um, also really there are so much quantity in there and so yeah for me world building is really a methodology um, that I can I think I can definitely explore more and 
see if I can also bring it uh, to a more physical environment rather than just a digital one. But for now, I start from there. And uh, for me, at least, it's quite immersive already. So. And um, you, you said that one of the starting points was that you were limited in moving around in the free world because Italy was in lockdown and you were there. Um, d do you think in, in a way that situation helped shape the project because the limitations kind of provided you uh, specific choices to be made, right? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I would say that this work wouldn't look like it is, like it's looking now because if it wouldn't be for the lockdown, because I was uh, going for a completely different direction back then. But yeah, as I said, this uh, form of trying to escape in the digital, digital online world was peculiar for that moment, um, for the moment of the lockdown. Um, so it really formed the way and uh, the work as it is now. So it was also a bit of an escape into this world, this digital realm. Yes. In, yeah. in the middle of pandemic, not being able to actually go to these places. Yes, absolutely. Is there a correlation between uh, the work that you made throughout um, your time here at the Art Academy? Has it developed to this or is it something that jumps out? Or I mean, it's jumping out anyway because it's a graduation project, so it's always different. But has there been a line building up towards this work or have you been exploring concepts in this work before? I think um, the aspect like of the fascination for nature and the Eastern interest for nature was always there um, already in the last four years. The format, especially the digital format, is not something I've been explored that much, but definitely um, has, been, has been touched, especially in the last... Um, year and a half but i would say world building as a methodology came mostly from um the experience i had at my internship uh, so i had my internship in uh, uh, london uh, with the artistic duo formed by amanda bohm and uh, rosalie and they do mostly sensorial physical installations and um based on the on the format of world building as well And that gave me a lot of source of inspiration. So I think I also absorbed this aspect from them and made it a bit more mine. Um, but it's a really beautiful way, as I said, to, to explore concepts and stories and information, um, constructing the, these yeah. fictional words as well. Yeah, I, I think it really, like personally, I think it really allows you to use design decisions to um, combine uh, sometimes like very complex uh, different kinds of information into something uh, where there's not one way of displaying it and the, the way it's displayed is because as a designer or an artist you choose it for be that way yeah it, yeah is is you can layer it as much as you want and you can put in it as much as you want and um, as I already mentioned you don't always have to say the whole story or tell everything about it uh, because it leaves enough space for interpretations and um, maybe somebody else sees the work in a different way as compared to how you do it so yeah, yeah. talking about artists and designers do, do you have any um, vision on where you place some yourself like as an artist or designer or something in between or maybe something completely different yeah i'm still exploring this uh I'm not sure how to label myself, honestly. Um, I have a background in design because of uh, my education. 
Um, but I would say my practice is uh, more artistic. So maybe something in between. Maybe more, I would say more of a, I'm more of an artist. Um, yeah, it's, it's really also what's the difference? You know, it's really hard to, um, yeah, probably pick one, mm. especially for me. Yeah, I mean, it's, in the end, it's really about framing what you do and... An artist, ma- an artist makes specific choices uh, and a designer can make the same choices but label them as design choices. Yeah. yeah. Um, in design, there's still like a line tied to it in the sense of like functionality. But I think uh, especially in the, um, the tempo in which disciplines uh, such develop, uh, it, um, it, it blurs a lot and i think that also has to do with how departments are being run and the 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 visions of um, teachers but also other students yeah definitely also um i think in interaction design uh which is now called design art technology which i think is a beautiful way of framing but not framing the uh openness and the complexity of the program uh we have both tutors from uh, desi- with a design education and uh, tutors from with an art education so uh, especially here i think uh students are really allowed to explore the field in their own way and find their own path. So. And also help shape it, I think. Absolutely, See yeah. the, the impact that every single individual has on this like m- microcosm that, uh, th- that interaction design is. W- what is your previous um, design experience and how did you get into this really specific realm of interaction design, Arnhem? You mean what's my previous education or yeah or mm. how how did how did you like um how did you end up here basically mm, okay that's a long story <laughs> it's up uh, to you like uh, no it's good I studied art uh, in Italy at high school because there we have the possibility of really uh, shaping our studies um and in Italy especially at art school is a really traditional way of uh, teaching art so a lot of drawings from observation, uh, modeling, sculpting, uh, technical drawings. And after I graduated from there, I was looking at other schools, uh, especially uh, in North Europe, uh, because I wanted like a change, like to experience a bit of a change of culture in a way, or have just experience of being abroad. And um, in that moment, I remember I um, found out about KBK in Den Haag. So I applied there for the course of graphic design. And um, I wasn't admitted to the bachelor, actually. Uh, but it was still, um, they suggested to me I could uh, follow the preparatory course, um, which is something I never heard before uh, because we didn't have this, this sort of um, yeah, structure of, of universities or we don't have these sort of programs in Italy. Uh, I decided to go anyways. Um, Sounds exciting. <laughs> it was definitely exciting. It was, yeah, it opened um, a completely different world to me. And so I spent one year at KBK and then I was looking for other programs that maybe would suit my vision a bit better because um, uh, I didn't want to do graphic design anymore or not purely graphic design. Um, I was really fascinated by big uh, installations, mostly like sensorial installations, uh, 
spatial artworks where you could really interact with your own body. And uh, yeah, I found out by Googling <laughs> a bit about Artes and uh, actually it was the first, um, yeah, it was um, like it was promoted at this English thought study. And uh, so I applied there and uh, there. I just graduated from there now, so it's a gra it's a graspable story. <laughs> it's, it's not too much. Um, Try to make it short. <laughs> so, um, w w what is your uh, idea on academies that still have this really traditional approach to arts uh, and design versus um, or that are known for it? Because I mean, I, I don't think there are any art academies left that still give lectures like it's the 1800s, but the first is uh, more fluid approaches um, it, in other academies. Mm, do, you, do you think the one, one they both need each other or do you think that uh, there's something good and something bad in there? Um, by comparing like more traditional For art example, schools. yeah. yeah. Mm, I'm really glad of my um, background, like my previous education in a more like traditional um, art education, because um, I think it's really important to be aware of yeah, what came before uh, the, the art and, uh, or the design field we have today. Personally, I wouldn't be able to study art in such a traditional way. I have friends uh, in Italy that uh, went for that path, because we still have a lot of art academies in Italy that are focused on paintings and sculpting in a really traditional way. Of course, we have also more um, open one or uh, others that are focused on multimedia interventions. But uh, of course, uh, they both inform each other. And I think it, the beauty of it is that we still have the possibility of choosing uh, which one fits us the best. So. Yeah, I, th I think the, the best position is to be in a balance uh, between the two. A bit more into your graduation project. Uh, d did you find any answers on the questions that you provide in your description? Or do you think it's up for the uh, visitor to decide to answer them? Because uh, the, the description, the last paragraph provides a lot of questions and they're really broad, complex questions. Did, did you find any answers in it? Or do you think the, the interesting, most interesting thing is in that these questions are unanswered? Yeah, I think they are still really open questions. I think it's also something that is uh, being thought a lot uh, in the last years. Of course, with the advancing of this kind of technologies and uh, with the fact that we are facing like an uh, environmental crisis, more artists uh, and, and scientists have been thinking about this uh, wave of documenting as a way of also preserving or like uh, keeping intact um, certain sort of knowledge or experience. But I still like to leave them open to the, to the audience and um, speaking about them in a more imaginative way because I think it's still um, progressing at the moment and as well like more technologies are, are coming up and I think it's still important to uh, keep imagining and keep uh, speculating on what's, what's possible. In the sense of capturing uh, data, whether it's images or like data sets uh, of numbers, I think a lot of technology is working towards perfecting the archiving of uh, what's being collected. But this, this project is kind of like a result of well, well, like an error situation, right? That there's like a, a kind of beauty in the surreal situation that uh, starts to 
appear out of this wrong data being uh, applied to an archive. So the, the last sentence says uh, a memory that is constantly mediated and reinterpreted. Is this something that you like want to see how the work would be in, for example, 30 years? Because then there will be new technologies, but also new errors that come with these technologies. Or do you think it's important for your work to keep it as it is right now? That's a really inter interesting question, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry for phrasing it a bit too long, but... Um, no, all good, all good. Yeah, I think the beauty of these digital environments is that they can keep shifting and um, there is no like really physical or, or tangible way of, of framing as they are uh, in this moment in time. Um, so, um, yeah, it's really interesting how um, to see how technology actually do to our uh, form of like our understanding of things and uh, by remediated and uh, reinterpret. I mean, um, that every, uh, every media is filtering uh, the, the actual object or the actual information uh, to our eyes and to our senses, uh, because that's what technology does. It's just creating an alternative, yeah, immediate version of, uh, of reality. So that's also why I, I talk about um, representations and projections and ghosts. Uh, these are all metaphors so for describing uh, what I've been trying to depict in, in the work. And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how maybe the same work could uh, be formed in, uh, in, a, in a few years from now. I'm sure it will be completely different as well. I mean, it's, it's always a bit of like for an artist or designer, like at some point, it the project's going to be finished, even though maybe the subject that, that is uh, in your work is something that's uh, constant or even speeding up even more. You know, there's something in the sense of how data collection is taking up more space and we're storing more and more types of data. I wanted to talk uh, also about your uh, practical assignment that you did together with Thies van Asseldonk. Can you tell me a bit uh, about the assignment and also what you made for the project? Yeah, so um, for our practical assignment, we were commissioned by Upstream Gallery, which is a gallery in Amsterdam. Uh, but during the period of the lockdown, they've been trying to translate the exhibitions in a more digital format. And uh, Tis and I were asked to transform this uh, virtual gallery space in uh, virtual space that could still have some sort of interaction and uh, some sort of aliveness um, or liveness. So there were two exhibitions upcoming. One was created by Constant Dullard and one from Jan Robert Lechte. And uh, we were also guided by them in the uh, development of a feature for the website that could show the presence of the visitors in uh, real time. So um, uh, yeah, the, that so the implementation of the cursors of each visitors uh, moving uh, in real time in the gallery space. So you could actually see everybody cursors moving around and, uh, and see where maybe people would stop for longer or where they would read the description, etc. And uh, for the opening of uh, the exhibition Echoes, we also had a one-time event. Uh, there was a more performative one. Uh, which saw the uh, introduction of um, avatars. Um, so you could customize 
uh, your cursor uh, with a beautiful emoji. And that was during, during an exhibition opening. Yes, yes, exactly. And as well, there was um, an audio chat feature implemented. So by moving your cursor to uh, somebody's else cursor, so if you would really get close physically uh, with that person, uh, you could be able to chat and uh, start a conversation. So by talking through your microphone, you'll be able to talk to this person and also listen back uh, what they had to say. So that created a really interesting dynamic during the, uh, during the opening because people started to gather in small groups. I mean, cursors started to gather in small groups. And then uh, they are just having conversations. So, uh, yeah, it was a really nice experience. Um, and it was also uh, really peculiar for the period of the lockdown as well. Although it was in a different format from the usual Zoom uh, calls or normal like chats, in a way, uh, text chats. So, yeah, I think it was, uh, it was a nice uh, experience and um, also like a success as well. Yeah, I, I think it's really an amazing way it um, recreated a, kind of like, like the ecosystem that exists in an exhibition opening and the way people move around. Um, and then it is, it's in an indirect way, um, but it, uh, it still replicates the same behavior and the same, like maybe also like gimmicks that you can, can spot at an exhibition opening. Uh, for example, like spotting a group of people and approaching them in the middle of a, a virtual realm where a lot of things that used to be very in-person are now very one-way virtual, like looking at a lot of like live streams uh, that are replicating something that used to be something where the visitors were really important and now becomes a one-way thing, which really doesn't reflect on recreating this ecosystem. I think it did a really good job in bringing this excitement that comes uh, with these interactions as well. And I also think that Tis did a really good job on the technical aspects of it. Great job, yeah. yes. <laughs> and I think he's still working uh, on it right now. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's a really fascinating project. Do, do you have anything to add to it? Um, no, maybe I just want to say that uh, that was quite... It was a beautiful collaboration between Tis and I because we, we have skills in different uh, frameworks. So it's uh, more technical and I'm more uh, visual, uh, I would say, or I, I conceptual. <laughs> and it was really nice to, to bring our skills together and, uh, and work towards, towards this project. So yeah, I'm really grateful as well for, for this opportunity of collaborating with him. Yeah, I think it's really a reflection of what's possible when people are aware of what their um, their skills are and uh, when they're being put together. Um, yeah, um, do you have uh, anything in general to add? Is there anything you want to talk about with me? Do you want to talk about maybe the um, how working in the COVID situation has been or do you think you already uh, emphasized it earlier? Yeah, um, because this is a very individual experience for everyone, depending on like your mental abilities to deal with uh, stuff and also like work out initial plans. Because, for example, workshops are harder to get to. Or yeah, um, I think I realized even more how important is the social aspect uh, during, especially the formation of or the development of work. 
um, for me is really necessary to uh, to talk and uh, and discuss uh, my work with other people, being them tutors, being them friends, um, and sometimes um, the fact that this sort of conversations happened behind the screen uh, made them unreal in a way. It was um, it was just harder to. Uh, to continue working on, on, on my on my project uh, during these times. And I think uh, most of the development happened after the lockdown. Um, so when it, was when it was possible again to meet people and uh, to access the workshops and to access school. Um, so yeah, I think indeed the, the, the effects of uh, talking and uh, and being able to socialize <laughs> in this moment is is really essential. And um, the, the the fact that I didn't have that uh, effect as well, both the development of my work and also my my state of mind, of course, because uh, I was letting myself being down from uh, from it. Um, but uh, at the same time, you uh, learn to adapt to the situation. And uh, you also um, maybe find out about some sort of things about yourself or uh, you are creative in a way of finding solutions for, your, for, your, for yourself. So that is really something that you can learn from. And yeah, as I said, that the work as it is now it wouldn't be like that if, if it wasn't for the, for the period of the lockdown. So um, I think in a way it was also opportunity to discover something else about myself and my work uh, of course yeah and i i think in a uh, in a context like like the social part of lockdown I, I think it's also important to just uh to hear from other people that they are running into the same issues as you were or at least for me like it helped out a lot of things where i was like uh, this really feels like an individual issue with how i deal with this uh, whole situation and then i heard it talking to multiple people about it and figuring out that they were running into the same problems also helped me out personally a bit at least in the sense of like not necessarily accepting it but just like giving it a place yeah thank you a lot thank you for, for being yes. here and for telling us about your project um yeah i think that's it yeah, thank, thank you. you, Oscar. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.